Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Waves of Change. We are inviting you to explore Asian American psychology with us. I am Diana Chu, and I'm Dr. Man Kit Lee, and we're both therapists here in San Francisco. So, Diana, what are we talking about today? <laughs> you know, like I was reading、um, different articles and news and like updates of like how the coronavirus is affecting. The people in terms of mental health,、mm -hmm. and I came across this study and I linked it to you. Yes,、um, you did. It's it's a scary <laughs> article.、Um, the article is called "Studies Called Mental Health Substance Use and Suicide Ideations During the COVID Nineteen Pandemic," and it's by、uh, the Mobility and Mortality Weekly Report.、Um, some scary、yeah. stuff, right? So, Diana, what what jumped out at you when you're reading when you're reading this study? Well, first of all, I was just like, "Wait, is this credible?" Right? Like, I go and look at the study, read about it. It's by the CDC, which is like Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and it's very recent, so it's kind of new. It、Let's、just see, published it's,、uh, June June twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the when they researched it,、mm -hmm. and、uh, and then like it, they published it August fourteenth. Uh, so it's super, super new, and like one of the alarming things is that like I I, I see is that like during the late June, forty percent of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse.、Mm -hmm. um, that's alarming itself.、Um, but I think what's the most alarming is the one in four,、um, you know,、uh, one in four young Americans, which is eighteen to twenty-four years old. Um, they have、uh, suicidal thoughts.、Mm -hmm. Suicidal ideation for sure.、Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I also read the report and I kind of looked through the stats a little bit.、Um, the two, the two of the more highlighted symptomology are、uh, symptoms of anxiety and also、mm -hmm. symptoms of depression, and that's very、yeah. consistent to what we're seeing, at least what I'm seeing in my practice, where.、Um, My patients who are living with anxiety, depressive disorders, are having an uh, uh, more exacerbation in those symptoms. Right, they're、like、functioning absolutely right. So, and those were are more or less symptom free. We're seeing we're seeing development of depression. We're seeing development of anxiety. We're prodromal signs of disorder. Right, it's pretty scary. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think I think for this study particularly,、um, they、uh, interviewed, you know, surveys、uh, surveyed a thousand four hundred ninety seven people、mm -hmm. uh, across America, and it's a longitude, like you know,、uh, study. So、mm -hmm. I I'm hoping that they have like updates, you know, of the study and see if potentially. Um, if the data point will shift because we're more in the middle of the pandemic, I guess we're not out of it yet. But、um, you know. there is a sense of stabilization, yeah. When、mm -hmm. we're not getting better, but we're more adjusted to to these symptoms, I guess. Yeah,、um, they did. So in this study, they did use the the patient health questionnaire, the PHQ four, which is. Something I like, and I used that before as well, and it's pretty consistent. So I'm hopefully in the future, right? When you kind of redo the study,、um, it'll change. But one thing that is extremely alarming is that、um, one fourth of Americans consider, one fourth of college students consider, uh, uh, ser seriously consider killing themselves, seriously consider、yeah. suicide in the past thirty days. Yeah, that's really yeah. So we were like, kind of, kind of, we're we're marking that population. So、uh, it's like eighteen to twenty four years old. Like most of them are, you know, like that age is transitional youth <laughs> age. 
is college kids, uh, you know, college students age. And I was just reflecting on like my experience as a college student when I was younger, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and how I was going through transitions and adjustments. Mm-hmm. And while sh- social life is like one of the most important things in development of identity, um, of like your habits and like, you know, like your, your, your goal, because like, it's kind of like soul searching that time yeah, for you know, sure, for your sure. family and you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. so I'm concerned about them. Yeah, me too. Me too. Very much so. Um, in my practice, um, just the theme of grief comes out a lot, not just grief yeah. for those who passed, but kind of grief for the life that was right. A lot of, uh, newly entered college students, they did not have a high school graduation and they will never have a high school graduation um, in, like per how their imagination or how their fantasy is. That's not going to happen. So a lot of it's kind of letting that go, right? Grieving that. They are also grieving um, what college life could have been. A lot of my patients, they have this wonderful fantasy or had this wonderful fantasy of like going to college, being independent, um, hanging out with, you know, making new friends, going to parties. Well, they're not having that right now. Instead, yeah. they're kind of stuck at home and doing like they're stuck at home. Still, you know, like at mm-hmm. uh, during the the Zoom thing that we all d- are doing, mm-hmm. um, and and it's tough. And I uh, actually like help guest lecture in some grad schools. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and I and I like on the lecturer standpoint. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's hard, like you know, having the engagement of the students, mm-hmm. you know, like how to engage them at the same time. How do you make kind of like like encourage them to talk to each other too? Mm-hmm. Because everyone comes from different towns, different you know backgrounds, mm-hmm. and it's harder to um, create that social network. Um, with an online platform. You know, the other day I was reading and, and I saw one thing that happened, which is uh, uh, that people are chatting about, um, about getting like study rooms, study, study rooms. Zoom rooms. Yeah. So what they're saying, Lee, is that like, we'll turn on the computer, we'll mm-hmm. Zoom each other, but not really interacting with each other, but you are here um, to, you know, to accommodate, you know, like to be with me, accompany mm-hmm. me while so I'm studying. Is it, okay. So it's kind of like the passive interaction yeah, the passive that we talked about previously. Thing. Yeah. Very interesting. I know some folks in Korea, this very popular streamer in Korea is doing that and always doing streaming himself studying and people really? are talking just about studying? He just, yeah, he just, just, he's studying and he just streaming himself studying. That's it. Right. I mean, he has some music playing for sure, but something about that piece is it's quite important. Mm. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of streamers just passive. Like, I don't know. Can you stream yourself sleeping? Does that does that work? <laughs> that would be kind of creepy. I think I think that'd be kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't recommend that. Um, so one one thing that's very interesting, though, um, between the ages of 18 to say 20, 24, right? Is that a study? Yes. To 8, 24. So one, one of one interesting theory here is that that age, we're actually crossing two categories or two stages in, in Erickson's stages of psychosocial development. So mm-hmm. between the ages 13, and 21 is identity versus confusion, right? Mm-hmm. You want to 
figure out who you are. And if that is not, it's not successful, you have a very confused identity. Between the ages 21 to 39, you're looking for intimacy versus isolation. So between the ages of 18 and 24, we're looking for two major tasks here. One is to figure out who they are. And mm-hmm. two is to find companionship. And I think having COVID in place, both of these things are impeded on. So mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense to me, at least de- developmentally, why suicide rate for this population is so high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so this is, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna, you know, go out and socialize, have parties and stuff, but you might potentially get COVID, mm-hmm. but you get the socialization and you have decreased symptoms of depression, you, you don't feel like suicidal. Is that worth it? Are you asking me personally? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would you like, you know, it's, like, it's, it's a off, really you know? bad question to ask me. Here's the reason why. If there's no COVID, I will mm-hmm. still not go out. Oh. I am very, very introverted. <laughs> like, I will, I will stay home and I'll play games. And my <laughs> friends are welcome to come here and play games with me. But, like, I, I, don't, I don't like big parties. So, my, my, I'm a bad example. <laughs> How about you, Diana? You're more, you're more sociable, at least more extroverted than I am. I think I don't know. Like I think I think it's risky to go outside. Mm-hmm. But if the risk of going outside, um, the health risk, mm-hmm. is on par with mental health risk, mm-hmm. it's a hard question. Um, it, it's it's like asking which one is riskier or which one is healthier, right? Mm-hmm. By putting mm-hmm. your in isolation or you know, protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of goes back to the question of like Adler's theory, right? Adler's style of life. And this idea that we all have specific needs we want to achieve. And then a successful um, style or a correct style, he says, is one that you're achieving these goals um, in a responsible way. One that's one not self-centered, but responsible. And I think it's not as dichotomous as we're thinking and say, oh, do I go out or not go out? I think it is, can we go out? Can we still have this social connection um, in a way that's safe, right? But I do want to digress a little bit back to the topic, you know, suicide. Um, it's it's a difficult topic, even for a lot of therapists, a difficult topic. And I, I actually recently give a I, I recently gave a talk as well uh, on suicide assessment. And one thing that I really um, emphasize on is actually called the CANS um, approach to suicidal assessment. And one of the thing key things that CAMS do is to really talk to the person about um, why they want to end their life, right? Mm-hmm. Really, and kind of give respect to suicidality because that's a that's a strong emotion a, a desire to end one's life and it's worthy of respect right mm-hmm. and it talks so about not only mm-hmm. you go in and assess like the risk level of like how often do you have like suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. or um how uh, do you have a plan you know those are like the type of questions that the therapist would ask um mm-hmm. but on top of that it's like why would you want to end your life Mm, I I will stay away from the word why because a lot of times um, it can come off as judgmental and re- okay. and and even though you just you know you don't want to be judgmental I think that question is being asked so many times that way that people feel 
like you know they will judge. Um, I like to ask the question of what does dying mean to you? Okay, so you go into like the you know the the their their understanding of death, mm-hmm. understanding of death, exploration of death, right? And there's researchers saying that talking about suicide does not increase suicide as a myth, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. definitely shifting from more of a close-ended question from one to ten, how you know how uh, how likely you are to more open question like you know um, you chose this way of dying. Why is that? What's that like for you? You know. Mm-hmm. And I think having a dialogue is very powerful for the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to stress what you just said is like, it's the myth. The myth. Of, the myth of like asking the difficult questions mm-hmm. would make a person think of suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because if they are not thinking about that, they would just like, no, I don't have suicidal ideation. Um, or if they are thinking about that, they have a chance to, uh, tell you or not tell you to. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I think I think it's a is a good way if you're prepared. Maybe you're not a therapist. Maybe your friend is going through these things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how can you talk to them about it? That's a really good question, right? So, let's say if you're not a therapist, you're a college student, and you realize that hey, one of my friends are not doing too hot, and we call this red flags, right? Like red flags can be yeah. like behavioral changes maybe they just kind of withdraw right something's really off or or you know they just kind of they're like over like really sad and next day they're overly optimistic right something's really off right well i think i think what's helpful might be asking the person um what are what are you experiencing how are you doing right that's the most simple question of how are you doing and there's a book called you should talk to someone about this. Oh yes, yeah. I think, yeah. and I think that's a powerful message, right? And you don't have to be—you don't have to be a therapist overnight, but being like a loving, present person, a non-judgmental person. Don't try to convince the person not to kill themselves, right? But just kind of taking what they say and ask them: Are they willing to talk about this to a professional? Mm-hmm. I think that can be—that's golden. That's like yeah, and in and, and, and a, and a mm-hmm. therapist standpoint too, like when a person is suicidal and actively have a plan, mm-hmm. that is the time. That is the time to get help. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, potentially, like if you know, like if you're in a, in a clinic uh, and they have a plan, we we might do fifty one fifty in America, mm-hmm. right? Like um, helping them. Um, and so, if someone is going through that, like it's this is the time to put put uh put some help in place and resources in place for for the person a lot of asian americans underutilize mental health services and i think around the topic of suicide is even more so there's definitely a sense of shame right Mm. Um, i like to argue it's more shameful for a lot of asian americans um even to just tell anybody right Mm -hmm. and the reason is because they see suicidal ideations as a sign of weakness a character weakness if you will so uh, my approach to suicide and understanding of suicide is a little bit different i would like to share that Um, i firmly believe that suicide is your brain's way of avoiding pain um i think say that again sure sure suicide is your brain's way of trying to avoid pain 
So, mm. so it's, it's kind of like a, a, a defense, it's a defense mech. mechanism. Yeah, and absolutely. Because if you because if you look at biologically, right, you're you're injured in a car accident, your body goes into shock, right? Yeah. The idea of what body goes to shock, at least a uh, one component of it is to decrease pain, right? Yeah. Your body's pump of adrenaline is to decrease pain. So your body goes out its way to decrease pain. Same thing with trauma, right? PTSD, mm-hmm. when you are in a traumatic situation, your brain dissociates, right? Yes, it's mm-hmm. caught, it definitely causes problems down the line, but it dissociates at that moment to avoid psychological pain. So yes. I like to say our body is geared to avoid pain and even to a point where the body will kill itself just to avoid pain. In terms of suicide, it's a little bit more cognizant, more cognitive than that, where your brain is feeling so much pain that's giving you answers. And these answers may not be helpful, mm. right? So when you see it that way, when you're not, you're not creating psychological ideations, but psychological ideations is happening to you. Right. If we see it that way, then I feel like one is more open to getting help when you see it's an affliction, right? Something so wrong, something so troublesome in one's life that their brain's giving them that message. Yeah. What do you think? I think that's a very good analogy. And it helps uh, one to like kind of make suicide as like a more external Thing mm-hmm. rather than an internal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a construct of self. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of like shame and guilt of mm-hmm. even thinking about that or bringing shame to the family, you know, that kind of stuff, like it kind of like mm-hmm. helps differentiate that. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, and it would help people to um, uh, potentially get more help because um, it's easier to understand and easier to digest what's happening in their minds for sure and kind of going back to the myth you were talking about right the two other myths that kind of comes to mind is the first one is um whenever one person um experiences suicide ideation they're always suicidal well that's a that's a myth that's not true Mm -hmm. right so research has shown that a lot of time uh suicide ideations is connected to situational factors so kind of go back to what you're saying is external, right? Uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is very important to recognize is that is uh, when someone does not have a psychological disorder, does no psychological illness, they can still be prone to suicidal ideations. You don't have to be quote unquote mentally ill to be suicidal. Right? That's another very big myth. And I think it's very relevant talking about this during the time of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, so- okay. When someone is suicidal, what kind of resources can they access right now? Okay, right now at this moment. Like right now, um, so, so our audience listening to this, I'm like, okay, I'm not feeling too good. I need some help. Or I know a friend who's not doing too hot. I need to help them. What can they do? What yeah, resources the can they The fastest way, um, like the first thing that comes into mind is uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's available like 24 hours, you know, like all the time. I think they have a chat bot too, if they, if you can, uh, mm-hmm. if you don't want to have someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so their number is 800-273-8255. And you could also Google that or tell Siri to call them mm-hmm. for you. You know, like um, they, they have like uh, services that which supports 
more than 150 languages as well. So a follow-up question. Um, let's say if I'm, you know, an Asian American college student, um, and I heard you just said that number, I really feel like that I should call, but I'm afraid that if I were to tell them, they're going to send cops to my place. Oh. All right. I'm afraid that they're going to like drag me off to the loony bin. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people have that feeling, have that fear, especially when yeah. you're not familiar with uh, 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 mental health. Right. What do you think? What do, do you do? People drag them to loony bins. Is that? I don't. I don't think they do that. Okay. What do I, they do? I, What's the fifty-one fifty look like if they they come? So down I think to most that? likely, like with this uh, suicidal prevention hotline, they will ask you about like assess your risk level, mm-hmm. um, and like where you're at, and potentially giving you. Like local resources that you could um, reach out to, and also at the same time, if you are um, really, really high risk, they might uh, refer you to a counselor immediately um, to you know to talk to and uh, potentially like I don't know, like give you some uh, emergency and like uh, what is it called the safety plan. Yeah, safety ten. We talk about like protective factors, risk factors, and it's. And I do understand a lot of my patients are afraid of telling me things because they don't want me to report them, right? Yes. Um, I think when it comes down to it, it's a dialogue that one should have with their provider yeah. and see you know, the what's start. the best the start, right? And if it comes down to it, it comes down to it because of safety, not because of punishment, right? Yeah. And I think one of the most important prerogative is to stay alive. (laughs) And we want you to be safe. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you find this very helpful and, and uh, potentially share this with your friends or like ask your college uh, age friends um, to reach out to their family and, and friends about this, you know, because one in four, that's a lot. It might, if it's not you, it might be someone else. Around. Stay alive, people. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> I'll see you next time. Bye.